listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, we dare you to find any instruments in these tracks. At the top of the hour this hour, Sing Strong New York is back and it's time to save the date and apply to compete. Sing Strong will be held on February 8th through the 10th, 2019 at Adelphi University Performing Arts Center with five concerts featuring pro headliners, two days of classes, Aka Idol competition with a $1,000 first prize for college and semi-pro groups and a high school competition. Also, the single singers will be back performing on the main stage with a full sound system and lights. Anyone can join. The Spotlight Showcase concerts for your group will also be available as will free coaching proceeds go to the fight against alzheimer's learn more at newyork.singstrong.org hello acaville radio welcome to another episode of talk Appella. i am your host brian alexander and i am the other host co-host guy john lampus john how are you doing today well just found out officially Ben Affleck is out as Batman. So that's really been weighing on me right now. Not going to lie. And I'm in this mode right Mm -hmm. now where I'm just thinking about who's going to be the next Batman. And it's tricky because it's, that is completely irrelevant to everything we're going to be talking (laughs) about today, but I'm doing pretty great. I had, I had some salmon before this. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing pretty well. You know, uh, the year started off pretty, pretty good for me. You're planning a Super uh, Bowl party that you're doing that. Exactly. Yeah, I'm playing the Super Bowl party, so I'm ready for uh, the two teams that I care absolutely nothing about to play on Sunday. So to get things going, uh, I would like to introduce our guest. We have Chris Cross. Chris, how are you doing today? Oh, well, how are you all doing? Doing wonderfully. Solid. Uh, can I start off by saying you have pro- perhaps one of the coolest names I've ever heard? It's and, so uh, awesome. I, I, I thought it was a that- typo when it was put in the count. I'm like, no one has that cool of a name naturally. I was like, Greg, don't put nicknames in. He's like, no, dude, that's his name. I was like, what? Oh, man. Exactly. For a second, I thought we were going to have uh, the hip hop duo come on the show when John first told me about it. I was like, what? What is going on? <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's happened all of my life. You're Chris Cross, but. I have my mom's last name, so if I had my dad's last name, I think my life would be totally different because my dad's last name is Peterson. Oh, and my life, my life would be so different. I'd be just be a regular guy, Chris Peterson. Yeah, yeah, but that that changed things. Crisscross yeah. sticks with me. Like I was like, hey Brian, remember we got our interview with Crisscross this week, rather than we have an interview with Chris Peterson. Like it just it's easier. It's two syllables. It sticks in mm-hmm. your head. I really like it. I know it's just smooth. It rolls off the tongue. So just for our <laughs> listeners, Chris, can you tell us about yourself? Tell us, um, and the way we rephrase it is, how do you do acapella? What's your background in music? Uh, my music background uh, pretty much has its roots in good old gospel church, black gospel church, uh, where my family were singers and, you know, your classic story, I guess, <laughs> of every almost R&B singer ever uh, started up in church, but really just had a love for music. Um, didn't join music at school until my high school career. Cause I was, um, and then after that, I got a scholarship in music. So I, I studied music at Arkansas State University and uh, started gospel choirs there and did the whole gamut and uh, using my gospel roots background and gospel music workshops. And of course, a lot of that was acapella because of your, especially your uh, male gospel quartets. Sam Cooke and the Soul Stirs type style singing. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And such. And a lot of it just based on ear and acapella. And um, grew up in one of those country churches like back then where 
you show up at a church to sing and there's like no piano player. So you really just kind of <laughs> hummed, out a, <laughs> hummed out a note and everyone just like started harmonizing their three part and it leads singing along. And so that's where it started. And that kind of grew my love for music. And once I got a scholarship, I really just found my niche as really being a music teacher and doing festivals and such. And uh, was blessed to be able to come back to my home city, not planned, and teach at my alma mater. Oh, that's awesome. And you're at Jacksonville High School in Arkansas, correct? That's correct. Jacksonville High School in Jacksonville, Arkansas. We're, we're right outside of uh, Little Rock. We're in the Little Rock metro, metro area. And so that's the high school you graduated from? It is. It is. I graduated from there and had no plan of returning as a teacher and <laughs> worked out that way. That's That's really awesome. I just finished my application to be a substitute in the school district I graduated from, like hoping eventually I'll get to teach in it. So I think that's really cool that music, uh, you know, uh, brought you back to where your love of music started. Cause I'm in that same place right now. Like, Oh man, back in the same environment where my love of music was kind of cultivated. So Chris, uh, let's get this out there. I don't know anything about gospel. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience in like, uh, you said you started doing it in your church, but how have you kind of done that in your acapella career, essentially? Like, just tell us about, about your time in gospel. Uh, yeah, sure. So um, once again, like growing up as a kid, uh, the church was very small country church. And uh, a lot of, even from the teaching parts, we don't have sheet music, of course, and we didn't have practice tracks. <laughs> practice <laughs> <Definitely> tracks? <laughs> we didn't oh, have man. practice tracks. And it was... Uh, really how, how we were taught, like the lead singer would, uh, or the music leader would go and listen to the harmonies and they would have to be able to come back and play those and sing those back to the choir. And we have to pick up on them just kind of based on where we think the harmonies kind of led. Mm-hmm. Gospel music uses really tight three-part harmony. Uh, and so normally if you can find the melody, you can quickly find the, uh, uh, the root of the chord, which is normally going to be your tenor singer and then you have your alto part which is in the in the middle that's most gospel music we normally don't have anything outside of those three parts you mm-hmm. have those three parts and you have your lead singing and then of course uh as, as as we go along from older gospel music we go more into the moving like from the spiritual side we move kind of move into the kirk franklin kind of style of, of gospel we add a lot more instrumentation kirk franklin and richard smallwood uh, we have a lot more instrumentation but in that having to teach and work with uh gospel groups as a, as a youth to teach them, I had to also then train my ear to be able to hear those parts because I didn't have practice tracks and really no one to play them out for me. So I had to learn how to uh, pick up those parts. And I think that's really where I uh, cultivated some of the IQ that, that comes behind yeah. being able to yeah. arrange for acapella and hear parts and hear what uh, what it could be. And then so, so quickly I started writing my own little songs and uh, things like mm-hmm. that and learned lots by ear, uh, lots by ear. And of course, uh, with gospel music, a lot of that is rooted in, in spirituals and jazz is kind of birthed out of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's always been my my kind of forefront. My my go-to is definitely uh, more jazz, like neo-soul. It's all the kind of fits from the same roots of it. And actually, I've done lots of projects on the evolution of gospel music from the field holler, where uh, back on the plantation days, most slaves had a, a field holler that they would use to help them pass the times. Uh, mm-hmm. So using that and evolving that, mixing cultures together, finally getting the first true American sound, which became the spiritual. It's mm-hmm. the, one of the first truly mm-hmm. authentic American sounds that was rooted from America. And of course, that was acapella, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it was acapella. And so uh, using those to past times and interweaving stories, which were sorrowful at first, but then quickly developed the messages of, of hope and then started adding flavors of uh, 
European and Latin together to create jazz, jazz and bluegrass. So from there, that's kind of like my my forte, and I've been a part of several gospel groups. One that we started when I was in high school called Rhythm and Praise, and we actually toured around Arkansas. We got to sing on radio stations outside of Arkansas, and that kind of started my love for music industry. And and our group even got a chance to go to the Bobby Jones Gospel Show, which was in uh, Las Vegas at the time, uh, which was was a major gospel show. And so uh, from there, studying and then we, when I started teaching again, what actually happened, how I get, really got into contemporary acapella as we know it today was uh, I was giving a fourth class in high school and they said, okay, here's a fourth choir, but it can't be choral. Mm. So I had two options, right? As a choral director, there are two safe options. Arkansas is a very, <laughs> very, very staunch choral state, like nothing else but choral music. I think I know what the two options are, but I, I want you, I want to hear what you're about to say. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, take a guess of what your two options are that are, uh, it was either barbershop or jazz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least, it, at least it wasn't like a guitar class, like as, as good as those can be. That's always what I've been afraid of when people talk about stuff to do with the job. Hey, you want to teach guitar? No, I do not. <laughs> right. And like, and like general music has kind of, unfortunately, become the, uh, the phrase you use when you need somebody mm-hmm. to have a study hall. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Done many a study hall as well. Uh, Chris, there are so many things you just said there that I'm like trying to wrap my brain around because so much of what you just said is so culturally important for people. Mm-hmm. I, I think especially for people like me who don't have this understanding to understand about the uniqueness of American music through stuff like spirituals and gospel and recognizing that it's not just that it's one of the major contributions that the United States has made to not just like music, but art in general. And I, I want to touch on the first one of the first things you talked about and how you learned. And I'm curious, like, how is that um, these musical skills that through this um, kind of cultural musical exercise and through singing this kind and teaching this kind of music, how has that come through kind of just like in your everyday teaching of both choir and uh, acapella? Well, um, one, one of the, the biggest things, uh, our, our program overall, our vocal music program with all of our choirs is, is, is kind of branded uh, JHS Vocal Soul. And, mm-hmm. and that comes from the quote, music cannot speak, Music speaks what cannot be expressed, heals the mind and gives it rest, heals the heart and makes a whole, flows from heaven to the soul. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of that is we branded ourselves that because we didn't want to just sing things to win competition or to get ones at assessment and festival. We wanted to really take stories of kids and interweave them through music from different backgrounds, different values, country, pop, rock, and bring it all together into one. And really, I'm glad to say that our music program is one of the most diverse places on campus because of that. Mm-hmm. And how that relates from the gospel background uh, or even the spiritual is because you take soulful stories and you weave them together with different harmonies. And so using that as a basis, um, I didn't even know how to, I don't know how you do music without first going over the actual text and the story and creating a story. Because that's what we did growing up in church. We talked about the story behind Mm -hmm. the actual song. Mm -hmm. Um, So so using that principle first and building on a story arc and finding the emotional connection. To, and that's what makes gospel gospel, right? It's what makes the spiritual spirituals that emotional undergirding when you're singing, uh, walk with me, Lord, walk with me. All right, there's some sorrow in that, and there's a story yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And so so we start like, with that story, and the, the harmonies are people joining in with you saying, brother, we agree with you. We understand. We've been there. Let's, let's seek and walk together. And then the harmonies get bigger. 
So in our program, we talk about the story first when, when we decide which music we want to pick. For example, our um, acapella ensemble decided to do Need You Now by Lady Lady Annabella about mm-hmm. two years ago. Ooh, love that song. And, and, so, and so just a little bit of background. Um, our group is called Natural State of Mind, which uh, Arkansas is known as the natural state. And also, Jacksonville. I mean, uh, Arkansas has a rich jazz jazz history, and we are a jazz acapella group. And I, I, I'll hit on that kind of at this help of the story. Mm-hmm. We started off we started off as a vocal jazz group and developed into a contemporary acapella, where we take everything every song and put it through our jazz filter. And so we were taking uh, "Need You Now," which is of course traditionally a country song. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, before we sing this, because of course I can't have teenagers really like relate to being so heartbroken that they're out getting drunk at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I hope, I and hope not. If, right. And even if so, we, we can't tell mom and dad that until after they graduate from college. <laughs> they actually, when I was 16, I broke up with her for at homecoming and I drank my life away. Like, um, <laughs> and so we had to come up with something a little more authentic if they really wanted to sing the song. Mm. So we started story arcing. And then somebody said, well, what if it's not missing someone necessarily with a broken heart love? Well, what if it's a family member? What if it's a loved one in mm-hmm. general? It doesn't have to be a romance. It could be, um, I miss I miss my grandmother and being able to call her and talk to her. And that sparked this conversation. And immediately the room changes and everyone goes, yeah, this friend, yeah, this so-and-so. So Need You Now became the person that I no longer can call and contact anymore. And we started weaving the story through that. And we started playing with the keys to kind of fit how we're going to tell what key is the best vehicle for this story mm-hmm. to sing acapella-wise. Then we start doing this jazz, jazz arpeggio with ninth and like eleventh chords going up back and forth. And from this, someone just starts singing the solo line, mm-hmm. and thus we birth an arrangement of "Need You Now," which we've used in a couple of uh, competitions and sets, and it's one of our most successful pieces. So, so taking the storyline, just like in gospel music, weaving those together, and then the fact that so there are country singers in our acapella group who have country voices, there are people who have pop voices, there are people who have soul gospel voices. And to whereas in most choral groups, those are not going to be welcomed because you yeah. have to kind of uh, mm-hmm. tune it all to, to one choral sound. We right. have this jazz fusion that all those voices can come raw and naturally as they are and, and put together to this jazz fusion. So that's kind of a little bit of how we, we kind of take what I've learned in gospel settings, interweaving yeah. those harmonies and using the key as a vehicle and a storyline to actually derive story arrangement in the overall song. Yeah, so so much of what you're saying, Chris, it's like really taking me back because I was born and raised in Texas here in the South. And part of my upbringing was going to church and hearing the gospel groups and everything that you and John have been talking about, about the history and the culture. It's just like an immediate flashback. And um, one of my favorite genres is uh, gospel. I'm just curious initially, just, you know, what are your students, uh, what, are, what is their reception when, when you're bringing them into these programs and you're talking about trying to fuse all of this, fusing the, the heartache, the soul into singing? Because gospel, I consider gospel a really challenging genre to perform. So what is the what is the student's uh, perception as you're trying to explain all this to them? What is, are they receptive to it? Is they, are they welcoming of it? Is, are, do they see it as a challenge? What are, your, what are you seeing? I'm seeing a, a mixture of, of all those, especially those who have not had to ever culturally infuse with anyone and not, who didn't think like them, uh, who mm-hmm. didn't um, have the same value. And, and, and so with our area, our area is very unique. We are in a suburban area, but we have an urban feel. So we okay. have this suburban and then we have this urban and then we have this rural and so this choir room really you walk in and like you can say the Beatles 
and mm-hmm. half the half the people don't, don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> oh wow! You can say George, can say George Strait, and half the people know who you're talking about. Then you can <laughs> say um, Erica Badu and Layla Hathaway, and you can say Kirk Franklin, mm-hmm. and half the room won't know who you're talking about. And so it's an interesting how they become friends and start really showing what I really wish society was, especially here in America. This hodgepodge, yeah. man, it's mm-hmm. different. And I may not get down with it. I'm not going to go back and listen to uh, Blake Shelton all the time, but I can now have an appreciation for that and how I can sing alongside that. The most unique one has been actually gospel voices and pop voices mixing with country voices and more rock voices and seeing how that works hmm. together. Yeah, it's got to be tough. Wow. It's, 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 it's interesting because we find those connecting points and places. Uh, which which choral music does offer a good blank slate, right? Because you all come in and have to be uniform in a sense. Mm-hmm. But the kids love hearing the different stories and go, wow, I didn't know this happened. Or I'm gaining perspective and worldview. I'm gaining things that are going to help me in life interact with people who are, who for, are from different backgrounds. And we sit, sit around in class and we have, uh, there are days when we don't sing. There are days that we literally just do things that I call the box. And in the box, part of their like, bell ringer for the day, or when they first walk in class, they'll have a writing prompt. Which mm-hmm. helps me kind of show like how we're helping like with literacy. Uh, mm-hmm. Somehow I have to, you know, we have to prove that music is actually yes. helpful. Yep, <laughs> been there. <laughs> and, and I say that because it's really funny because Arkansas just just adopted these new standards for helping kids with uh, reading and everything they talked about are things that we as musicians do: interpretation of text, texture, uh, in- inferences. And so administration is also blown away when they walk in and we're sitting down. So they'll write out these prompts and they'll say, "What are your worst fears and what are your greatest dreams?" We'll put those in a box and they won't write their name on mm-hmm. them. And we'll reach our mm-hmm. hand and then we pick them out and I start reading them. And I say, if, if this reverberates with you as well, even if you didn't write it, like raise your hand. And those kids from different backgrounds now see that, oh, we have some of the same fears. We have some of the same dreams. We have some of the same issues. And so uh, that helps once again with the story arc and they're more welcoming to open up themselves. And they develop this, this appreciation for different genres and different people's stories so much more because of that. And so I'm seeing them open up their eyes I'm seeing, so there are kids who join our program and can't sing a lick uh, because they go, you guys have a family down here that's different. We want to be part of this family. And that's the number one thing. If our program ever leaves that, if we leave the sense of a family over getting ones at competition or festival, then I need to be done teaching. Wow. And that's an interesting correlation because it, it feels like there's as much emphasis on um, the vocal aspect as it is about the feeling. Yeah. Um, and uh, that that's so important to stress. And, I, you know, that sounds amazing. I wish more more uh, groups were doing that, you know, not even just the high more school schools, level. Yeah, all yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like acapella has just offered a way that now they can express it outside of the choral around. We've only been fully involved with acapella for the past four years. So now that's even grabbing a whole nother area of kids, which I used yeah. to use it as a carrot, as a carrot, right? It was a carrot to dangle to get you to join choir. And <laughs> it got me. And then, <laughs> right. Way back when. <laughs> and then just two years ago, I said, but why? Why does it have to be a carrot? Why can't it mm-hmm. be? Why can't contemporary arts be a format of its own? Why does it have to be a carrot to dangle? What if the kid was doing a gospel choir, but was never doing choral choir? Or will join something that does this? And so now we're really... Uh, we've actually piloted some of the first contemporary frameworks. And so now it's an actual class in our school to open up to a contemporary wow. arts. And we're, we're super excited about the plethora of kids that we're about to reach for music through that realm. I think that's great. And I know, uh, and I'm Chris, uh, Chris, I'm sure you're aware of this right now in the choral world. The There is a, I feel like a change happening where people are realizing, oh, maybe we shouldn't just do all music programmed by 
old white dead guys. Um, old, old, sorry, old dead white guys, not old white <laughs> dead guys. But when you program all different kinds of music, like what you're doing, your kids are becoming independent musicians who have their own tastes and who maybe some of them, like you said, like someone, they, some of them just prefer country and that's their thing, but they know how to, um, like what you're talking about, like how a gospel line goes or how certain things work or certain traditions. And those kids are going to be the ones who are able to function. And, and this is so big right now. And I'm really glad you talked about this. They're the ones who are going to be able to function in different musical environments in an honest way because they actually understand it true yeah true and it'll be it'll be authentic and that's the yeah that's the biggest thing authenticity in your music and then dick sharon always says right harmony through harmony mm-hmm. uh, and that's one of our like big things and so if you're able to be authentic once again i think it just helps you in like real world dealing with people in our relationships especially in this toxic uh yeah sometimes toxic world that, that we live in where everyone's so polarized that we don't know how to do that but Coming through this class from this music allows me to see, man, there are there are ways that we can like enter or relate without having to necessarily change values and things like that. Yeah, you can still do the the goal is to create good musicians, but also good people. And if you're only doing one tradition of music, you are going to have one view of how to achieve those goals. Hearing you describe it, of look, this is a classroom, this is a school environment where you're doing all these things, and they're turning out really good kids who are doing really uh really important stuff yeah so this is a really cool conversation we're having but we're going to take a short break and we're going to come right back on the show so we're going to throw it over to amanda tran with notable coverage and we'll be right back you're listening to community supported acaville radio streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org acaville where people know the hashtag symbol is for more than social media Hey everyone and welcome back to Notable Coverage here only on Tacapella on Acaville Radio. I'm your host Amanda Tran and every week on Notable Coverage I talk about one song that is heavily covered in the acapella world and kind of discuss the reasons why it may be heavily covered, maybe go through some different versions if I find some cool ones, and yeah, just the tea on all the awesome covers. So for episode 23, we're going to talk about, drumroll please, Valerie. So a lot of people think that Valerie was originally done by Amy Winehouse. Um, It was actually produced by Mark Ronson featuring Amy Winehouse, and it was a cover by, originally by, the Zootons, this awesome rock band. Um, Apparently, a lot of people think that the Zootons covered it every time they play it live, which is kind of funny, kind of unfortunate, but it's an amazing song regardless of the version you're listening to. The Zootons version came out in 2006 and the reworked version by Mark Ronson and Amy House came out in 2007. And just soon after that, um, I definitely noticed a spike in Valerie acapella covers. Um, my acapella career in college started in the fall of 2009. So Basically, it was the height of Valerie. Every festival I was going to, any type of live acapella event, YouTube videos of acapella groups, everyone was doing Valerie. Like, no joke, literally every group was doing Valerie. Um, In my research today for this episode, I was going through YouTube and Spotify, checking out all the Valerie versions, and people are still doing Valerie. The most recent version was... A year ago and even six months ago I saw a group doing it um 
pretty much every year since the release of the song, there has been a Valerie cover. Not only has Valerie been very popular in the acapella world, it's also done a lot in show choir. Um, it was also featured in Glee, which is like the epitome. Um, so it's been, it's Valerie has had a great run. And I also hear, I also go to karaoke really often. Surprise, surprise. Who would have thought that was a surprise? I enjoy karaoke. I consider it a sport. And regardless of the group that I go with or if I'm just dropping by in the main karaoke lounge rooms, someone is always doing Valerie or always putting Valerie in the queue. And I I kind of take a step back and I'm like, why is Valerie such a popular song to be covered? Whether it's acapella, whether it's show choir, whether it's in karaoke. And I take a step back. One... It is an amazing song. The melody is super catchy, really easy to hold on to, whether it's your 20th time listening to it, 50th time, or your first time listening to it. It's just a very catchy song. And the lyrics are very um, easy to grasp, very easy to understand. It's very much a story. Um, And I feel like a lot of songs, modern pop songs nowadays, don't really tell stories um in the way that like country music does more prominently i would say um but valerie does a good job of telling that the dialogue of the story of valerie and her her woes i suppose whatever they're talking about um but yeah so super catchy melody great lyrics and as far as like the soloist part goes it's very much um in a range that it works well for female and male soloists, whether you're a mezzo or a baritoner, um, it works very well in the range and as far as the complexity of it. And because the melody is so distinct and so memorable and relatively simple at the same time, but it allows for the soloist to really um, kind of make it their own with different riffs and different inflections on the voice. But with that, it also is dangerous, I would say, because the song is so well-known and so popular. A lot of times, the versions that I listen to or have researched, the soloist, instead of making it their own, they just kind of copy the Amy Winehouse version or copy the Zutons version. Most of the time, it's the Amy Winehouse version because... Much more upbeat um, style of production in that song, and I feel like a lot of groups will go for that for that more energetic, upbeat song in their set. And so, that being said, although it is an awesome song, I am a huge fan of Amy Winehouse forever and Mark Ronson forever, and obviously, the Zutons wrote an, an amazing song. It's a song that can be done well or can be done in a very cheesy and cliche way because it's so well known I feel like a lot of the arrangements have really just been transcriptions as opposed to making it unique um so yeah I have been rambling for a long time about Valerie I would love to hear your thoughts um in my research I couldn't really find any standout versions of Valerie that are unique in its arrangement style as well as like just an extent outstanding performance so if you guys have any versions of Valerie that you personally enjoy please definitely let me know or if you have any other songs that you'd like me to cover please at me on any social media my handle is at Amanda Tran Rocks that's at Amanda Tran R-O-C-K-S 
Thanks again for tuning into Notable Coverage, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Bye. And welcome back to Talkapella. Thanks for joining us, Acaville listeners. So we have had the pleasure of speaking with Chris Cross. Chris has been informing us and sharing with us his experiences in the gospel realm as well as the choral realm. Uh, he's bringing a plethora of knowledge to our conversation today. And I really want to get into the meat of gospel and acapella because I think a lot of groups aren't really utilizing enough of, of mixing the two. What do you have you been doing personally in regards to teaching gospel acapella and what have you been seeing and kind of what do you what should people know about it? Part of it was I would I would hear groups like Take Six and Naturally Seven. And most people in spheres outside of gospel would call that jazz. Mm-hmm. Then I would hear that and I would go, that's gospel. Then quickly learn depending on the circle you're in, that could be gospel. It could be jazz. <laughs> and I'm like, I hear this in church every Sunday. This is not jazz. <laughs> this is, this is I think I've been guilty of mixing up the two occasionally myself. But once again, it's a it's a fusion. It's it's mm-hmm. a big fusion that, that really happened. And you know, the um the hymn that actually led way for that is Thomas Dorsey, Precious Lord Take My Hand. Hmm. One of the so Thomas Dorsey is a jazz musician, one of the first people to openly take a jazz bluesy type chart. And put it with spiritual type music because actually there was a time when uh, even in the black black church spirituals and the jazz blues stuff were separate. You didn't mix them together. So you see movies like Ray where Ray Charles then takes Bart mm-hmm. uh, those kind of tunes and mixes the two, which that was a big deal back then. You didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. Spirituals like your uh, your uh, Fist Jubilee singers who were one of the first group of people who were put together by actual uh, groups. They were trying to really capture this cultural sense of what the spiritual was. And so the, the spiritual became then a mix of the field holler and European choral music together. And thus you have born spirituals, which were still hmm. acapella. And based on Thomas Dorsey took that the spiritual feels and then added this jazz element and thus gospel music was born, this whole element of gospel music. And so taking that and 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 so you have this jazz. So it's a, what we consider gospel could be jazz. It could be uh, fusion. It could be whatever you want it to be. Uh, but those groups like Take Six and Naturally Seven, they kind of uh, hinge on the plethora of both of those. And so taking that and applying it to acapella is naturally easy because most people in acapella really want to hear triads. You know, especially like yeah. today, today like, like acapella, there's lots of cool stuff going on. Uh, you know, if you listen to groups like Green Tones, uh, we were just <laughs> we were we were in a competition with them at Sing Texas actually just this past really? Wow. Yeah, man, it was crazy. Uh, and then they did this version of Hey Y'all that I'm still trying to figure out how do you do atonal <laughs> Hey Y'all. Well, uh, there's a lot of like bi-tonality bi- in there, and uh, it was it was it was phenomenal. Like after after they were done, the audience didn't know whether to clap or just kind of continue to keep our mouths dropped open. And of course, like people who don't know music were like, "What was that?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> or, or even Lark. Uh, you know, groups like Lark. We we mm-hmm. also competed. We wow. competed. We had our, one of our high school group's first acapella competitions was at Voice Jam in Fayetteville, Arkansas, with Deke Sharon and Naturally Seven, and we had to mm-hmm. sing after Lark, and that was our first ever. <laughs> oh man! And they did Mad Hatter, and oh my gosh, it was it was crazy stuff. But so even in the middle of all that, most people just want to hear triads because that's what pop mainstream music is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so gospel music, that's once again, the tenor, alto, soprano are all 
flourishing and you're doing things with those triads that most choral's not going to do. Choral's going to stay in your one chord, four chord, five chord. Gospel doesn't care. You're going to sing a triad. You're going to sing the leading tone. You're going to sing parallel fourth. You're going to sing tritones in the middle of that. You're going to sing all this stuff that doesn't mm-hmm. follow all the rules. And that's where I think infusing a little bit of that gospel essence kind of allows you to take the triad now and bend it in ways that people are not used to in mainstream music. Yeah, we're going to sing the one chord and five chord, but but NSM, our group, we're going to take that and we're going to make it a minor four sometimes with the add two, and we're going to add a seven on top of that. Then we're going to make it a five, but make it a flat five. And so yeah. there are things that, that gospel music really opened the ways to. We're going to play with your mind through this triad. Then we're going to throw some ninths and thirteenths in there just for fun, and then go back to the triad again. Because <laughs> that's pretty much what gospel music does. And in most gospel music today, you have the triad being sung by the choir, and the instrumentalists are just playing these bed of like ninths and thirteenths and craziness going on. But the triad is still there. So the audience is getting this mixture of both of them. They're getting mm-hmm. by triad, and they're getting these ninth and thirteenths that just make you sit there and smile. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of it. So so we're using that in our music and we're actually uh, arranging, we just finished up arranging a version of Lucid Dreams that we're preparing for ICHSA and some other things that we have coming up using those elements. But then we took the gospel element and we took the triad and threw some Middle Eastern tones in there as well, some passing oh, wow. tones. As well. So so I think that opens the, the door away from just your basic triad CEG and think about what is what what, what all like, can you do with those passing tones? Because the most golf music is passing tones and all of that stuff. If that makes sense, I, I, I probably I just went out there on the rail. <laughs> no, it's great. I'm gonna rem- I'm gonna like look back at that years from now whenever I try and do a gospel piece and be like, okay, what did he say about the passing tones and how do I do that? <laughs> um, I'm really curious. How do you introduce gospel music? to people who do come from that very kind of, well, we've always sing one, four, five, or their, their choral experience isn't as diverse or as culturally informed or as multifaceted as yours. How do you just start someone out like, hey, this is gospel. What do you do? Once again, I think uh, more so, especially in a, in a school setting, approaching it from its jazz fusion mm-hmm. uh, version as opposed to just the straight up gospel. Of course, in our choral group, we do spirituals and stuff, and we also do some straight up gospel uh, as well. But also introducing to them as uh, R&B is, is an easy way to introduce them mm-hmm. to that because that's an offshoot of it. You know, where did Whitney Houston come from? The church. Where did Aretha Franklin come from? The church. Mm-hmm. Um, so so <laughs> you, you have these singers who they know, which actually a lot of them in this generation don't know. Aretha Franklin didn't sing that. That was so-and-so. I'm like, no, that was a cover. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> stop saying that. These great people. So you take all these people who have gospel music roots and they sing R&B. And that, uh, so I introduce it from that aspect or take, take Beyonce type stuff and you take it and you make it applicable to where they are today. And as you introduce it to them, them realizing their limitations as far as you mm-hmm. may not belt like Aretha. So don't try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where you get a lot of the manufactured terribleness that we see, unfortunately, at the beginning of old American Idol episodes. <laughs> people trying to imitate big voices, and, and your voice doesn't naturally have that vibrato. Because I think when, when people think gospel, you think of that classic, old, uh, raspy, big black lady, Aretha Franklin, <laughs> vibrato type voice, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and just, true. Very true. And everybody was like, oh, gospel? And they go, what? <laughs> and then they want to run out the park like like Christina Aguilera and like Beyonce had this weird child and this is kind of uh, 
That's some words I never thought would be spoken on this show. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, um, it's great. It's great. No, it might sound good in your head, but it's not exactly there out loud. <laughs> it, it's not. And so, 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 so then, like the next question is: So, how do I partake of this? How do I become part of this without mm-hmm. being able to whoa and run run mm-hmm. up and down the hill? You don't. You sing and and uh, you sing a chord. And you you feel the the inversion of that chord. So a lot of times we'll take the chord and we'll invert it to where mm-hmm. tenors are singing the D and then building the altos on the F and then sopranos on a, on a B flat and moving yeah. in that progression up and down the scale, which is not natural because a lot of them are used to bass singing the root, altos mm-hmm. are going to sing the fifth and so forth and so on. So yeah. even inverting mm-hmm. the chord changes their ears a little bit and they go, oh, that's different because normally altos are going to drone the fifth or the third. And they're mm-hmm. going to sing that over and over again in a B flat chord. Everyone else is moving. Altos are going to sing the D, and they may go up to the E flat. Maybe they're going to go back to the E. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, to the D. And so, in gospel music, allowing them to be able to almost have a gospel music makes this melody type quality out of all three parts. So that way, it's mm-hmm. not just one one soprano line getting the melody. All three parts get to move like they are are the melody. So now the kids don't feel like they're just background singers supporting the melody. They go, oh, I have a part of this. And um, in acapella, that's a really like big thing because you can get caught in the trap. Well, I don't have any solo. I'm just singing oohs and ahs in the background. I'm just feeling pads mm-hmm. or I'm doing ancillary noise because you, you're, you're having to be the band. But our group realizes that every aspect is important. And they're giving a line such that you're never just going to sit there and drone the third of the over and over again. You're going to have a feel that allows you to, to present your story through a different aspect. Yeah. So so what I'm, I'm taking away, there's a lot of gospel and partially jazz elements being infused into a lot of the the pieces uh, that you're working on, as well as what what uh, groups should be kind of tackling, and I'm just really curious how do how do groups find a balance? How do yeah. you find that balance in a song or an arrangement? Right, and so and, and that's exactly what we're doing. We're taking uh, things because we're like I said, like we're primarily jazz, but we use a lot of the jazz qualities when helping ad lib in, in the in, mm-hmm. in the jazz uh, genre, helping feel that that freedom of movement in the jazz mm-hmm. genre. And so we do a lot of things where we do. Uh, we, we create jazz background, and everybody stands in a circle, and they have to ad lib something. They have to ad lib mm. something. So now we'll we have watched uh, Ella Fitzgerald watch those kind of videos, mm-hmm. uh, her scatting, and parallel you, you can parallel that with a lot of gospel singing as well. Uh, so so that that freedom of movement, freedom to be able to move outside of the triad. Because when I first started. The, uh, the vocal jazz group, my kids were like, I get to just sing stuff. Like, mm. <laughs> but Mr. Cross, it's not, it's not on the page. Like, uh, <laughs> how do I do this? And so uh, one good example of that is we, uh, we did an arrangement, we, we did an arrangement of Fix You, uh, and we, mm-hmm. we, which is a great song, and it's actually overdone in like a pillow. I said, hey, if we're going to do that, <laughs> I, said, I said, if we're going to do it, how do we do it from our standpoint and make it fresh? And so we totally took it and flipped it postmodern jukebox type style and mm. made it a total jazz thing. And we moved it to the six, eight swing. So the baseline comes in. Ooh, I like that. Wow. And then, then one of my soloists who had been a part of our program for the past three years, when we were making this evolution using jazz scatting and gospel to help them feel free, just started singing. You try your best and you don't succeed. And then she added this Jason Mraz type folk stuff with it. 
And then she uh, she did something, and we all stopped the rehearsal and lost our minds. So she said, <laughs> what could be what? Uh, 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 and I said, what in the world is happening? Oh, my <laughs> goodness. On top of the standard bass walking. Do, 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 do. And then we took a triad. They started singing the background. Lights will guide. And it became lights guide ignite. And then two of my singers started singing the seventh and ninth on top of that. Ooh. And all of a sudden, you have this Ooh. wonderful postmodern sound to fix you. And we sang it at Sing Texas was, was the first place that we uh, premiered it. And oh my gosh, it was like, at first it was the stand-up bass. And, and like Dick Sharon was like, even there, he's going, oh my gosh, are you... Are, are you are you flipping fix you? You're not allowed to. You can't do that. <laughs> but it, it was hearing that tune again in a fresh sense, using tones yeah. of gospel and jazz and blues and neo soul that are not mm-hmm. really in the primary in the uh, contemporary acapella scene outside of groups like Resound and those type elements. Please tell me that there's a video of this online. Yeah, I gotta, I, I gotta go. see this. I gotta hear it. <laughs> I need to find this. There, there is a video. If you uh, remind me, I'll, I'll email you. After. Oh, okay. we yes, we will. Yeah. We will remind you after. I think this is so great because improvisation and like musical creativity is sometimes so hard to get out of students. As I'm, like, I mean, Chris, you probably know better than anyone as a long-term teacher. That can be tricky to get kids to kind of come out of that that bubble like like what you said about what are you talking about it's not on the page like that's that's <laughs> me in a nutshell like what do you mean i'm seeing my part that is right here and uh, i mean i'm sure in addition to that arrangement being musically excellent because what you just said brian now you just heard us kind of found fangirl there i'm guessing you know everyone just found it very authentic not only because it's original but because your students created it and that's something i hope in when i start teaching in a couple weeks that i can uh engender in my students and i think it's so great that that you're doing that with yours Awesome. Thanks. And I think it's really important because it's actually helped their kids with their sight reading as well. Yeah. Past, ever since we've had a contemporary acapella program, especially with jazz, right? Because uh, you're hearing ninth and 11th chords now, we have gotten ones in sight reading every time we go to festivals nice. for the past two to three mm-hmm. years. And it's a direct result of the contemporary acapella, making them sit, hear and listen to things in, in pop music. That they, mm-hmm. So now it's more than just me hearing the solo line. I have kids who come back and go, man, that baseline was going from the B flat to the, and I'm like before, how would those kids with no musical background know yeah. how to sit down and go, mm-hmm. oh man, that B flat, it, it went to the full court and they lose their minds over chords. And I'm like, this yeah. is cool. They're understanding the, um, the kind of building blocks of music rather than you just sitting there and going, okay, music theory, chapter one, and like building that up to that point. Cause these are the, I think these are super valuable lessons, especially for acapella choral people out there like me who like both worlds and want to have them both support each other in their programs. That's, that's so awesome. Right. And if I could say like one thing, I know time is probably the essence. Erin Hackle really freed me two years ago when I heard her spectrum singing that was the real basis. And so even in Arkansas, I brought that back with spectrum singing and that all singing can be done well and healthy. Yes. Regardless mm-hmm. of the genre. And her teaching that really opened the door for me to really talk to my choral music colleagues and go, stop telling your kids that they sing anything but choral. They're not singing healthy. They Oof. can sing all genres healthily and well as she mm-hmm. her, her spectrum singing has helped our group immensely knowing which rank, which which position to put our voice boxes in to sing certain genres. And they all sing with good vowels and good diction. And that mm-hmm. really freed me up. And so as a result of that, even in Arkansas, I presented a lot of those things. And now we just hosted our first festival in Arkansas. We had our first timber acapella 
festival. Awesome. Three three weeks ago, and over 200 kids from around the state in a place where there was just coral. And uh, JD came over, and it was beautiful. By by tribute people like Aaron Hackle and JD, and what they're doing with acapella and education is wonderful. That's all great. Yeah, and I, this is what amazes me is like how you just said there's so much healthy singing that can be taken from all these different genres. And I, I, I know that a lot of times in acapella groups, especially contemporary, we feel like there's this kind of um, crutch on us that, you know, we can only do things a certain way or whatever. We can begin to explore other things. And what I'm hearing from both uh, yourself and John as well, I'm like, there's so much authenticity behind it that we can bring something unique into this if we're just wanting to explore it and do it in, you know, a, a very risky way at, at the end of the day, you know, if we're willing to kind of branch out there. And I'm just curious, I want to kind of paint a hypothetical situation. So I'm a, I am a college student who is the music director of a group and our group has never touched gospel music, but I'm listening to Tacapella today and I heard <laughs> you on here and saying that there's a lot of things that I can do to bring this into my group, but how, how do I do it in a very respectful, appropriate way that doesn't diminish the art form? But how do I bring that into my group? What do, what do I start exactly? My advice would be a couple of listing things and then finding there are different artists in that genre that develop different there are the big gospel voices, then there are those nice subtle voices. There are the, the, the sweet laid back tones. Uh, you have your Whitney Houston type silky, just beautiful type voices. And then you have your Lauryn Hill type voices in gospel mm-hmm. music today. And just finding, first of all, your your key range that you can comfortably like do that in, that you can comfortably just open up a little bit. And then finding out your place in the overall texture of the song. Because if you're singing an ooh, like, like I have a singer now who's just kind of, you may have an ooh, but how you take that ooh and you put a story with that and you open up and feel the freedom of just singing free, uh, of singing with this soul that doesn't have to be experience-based. It could be just mm-hmm. based on the freedom. I want. What they're looking for is I want to sing with the freedom in which that person is singing with. And they may be singing, quote unquote, to Jesus or to whoever in a religious-like context and finding their freedom there. But you can find your freedom somewhere in that story arc. So is it just a matter, are you singing, uh, oh, happy day? Are you singing, I want it that way? You're like, just what What about that story are you singing? And then open up, how can I take this note now and show that I'm I'm flying free with my ooh? Whether that's a ooh, ooh, and doing tones like that over and over as a whole group. So do that tone over and over as a whole group. And then as you're doing, uh, I'll do things like do open fifth chords where we have the bass on do and then altos on soul. And in the open fifth, you're allowing flexibility for lots of different things to kind of add live out. Uh, It doesn't have to be major minor. That artist gets to choose. Everybody Mm -hmm. is is an individual artist. You allow them the freedom. First of all, oh, I have the freedom to choose. Yes, you have the freedom to choose. And as you start feeling that, someone else is going to partner in with you. And then so now we go, all right, so we're going to keep that tone. Someone add in with that as well. Now you all start flying free together. So now you have these two oohs that are happening in the middle of this droning fifth, and people are starting to feel free and feel this synergy, and they can start anticipating each other breathing-wise and singing-wise and where they're moving. And that's really where the gospel element, I think, those components make the music free. So I'll, so that's how like, we started with uh, NSM. We started creating those open circles, droning those notes, and then saying, no, you're going you're gonna to contribute. And we call it not singing or ad-libbing, Contribute to what's happening, right? Contribute to this musical moment right now. How do you do that from your own range? Then I would hear it, 
with fifth third voice, I'm gonna go do that again. Sing that again, but sing it like this. But sing it like yeah. this and open yeah. up like this. And they start trusting you and following you. And all of a sudden they're doing those elements without you feeling like you shoved <laughs> the gospel <laughs> genre down there. Right. Sing like Mahalia Jackson right now. <laughs> this is so awesome and, and so important, I think, for everyone to hear these ideas and hear this honestly just kind of laid out for us. And I think this is going to lead to groups being more authentic, being more uh, culturally aware, being more um, experienced and multifaceted musicians. It's it's all great. Well, I, I love what we're discussing here. I love the, the freedom that's been mentioned in the music. And I think that's why gospel is so rewarding. And I think it's going to be super, extremely beneficial for groups to really take this information, run with it, and do something cool. On that note, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to throw it over to Lisa Hawkins with Asking for Directions, and we'll be right back. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, we dare you to find any instruments in these tracks. Hello, hello, my name is Lisa Hawkins and welcome to Tacapella's mini segment, Asking for Directions. I've recently learned a lot about social media and thought I would take my knowledge and apply them to the world of acapella and then share them with you guys. So before I dive into social media, I want to address what branding can mean for an acapella group. Your brand can be expressed through your music, image, energy, style, and anything that makes you, you. And all of these things can be reflected through social media. So the four big takeaways I got from social media for acapella is create a need, be consistent, be yourself, and create empathy. A lot of these tie together, but let's start from the top. So creating a need means that you have something that your audience expects or looks forward to upon your post. And that ties into being consistent. Say you have like a member Monday thing where you post little fun facts about your members or behind the scenes of rehearsal every Wednesday, um, whatever it is, if you're consistent, your followers will pick up on that and expect your post every week. Now you've created a need. And this is why you need a social media marketing plan if you're really serious about reaching a wider audience because it's very difficult to be consistent and post often without help. And that may mean a calendar or an app that helps you schedule posts, like whatever fits your needs, but have a plan if you're serious about reaching um, more people than just the people at your school. Something I will add as a side note too is that I would avoid linking your Instagram posts to your Facebook posts because Instagram and Facebook have very different languages. Instagram is highly visual and Facebook can be also, but it kind of lends itself well to being able to tell a story. Like you're more likely to read the story on Facebook than you are on Instagram. And for that reason, you don't typically see long paragraphs on Insta posts. And if you do, you probably don't read the whole thing, but you are more likely to read them on Facebook. So we go there for like articles, blogs, news, etc. So even if you have the same visual for both platforms, consider wording the post differently on each of your social media platforms. Um, the next important point is never forget to be yourself. Obviously, this kind of seems like a gimme, but we can smell fakeness from a mile away, right? Sometimes I see it way too often and I was doing this a long time ago too and I like kind of noticed it when someone pointed it out that sometimes you just put way too many exclamation points at the end of a sentence. Like, we don't talk like that, so why would we post like that? So authenticity is key. Be authentic with your words and with your photos. And in this Instagram world that we live in now, I think 
we all know that having some sort of visual with your post is very important. So don't just post any picture, but make sure you're able to tell a story through it. Maybe it's an excited photo of you all during, you know, the audition process or a really tired pic. <laughs> but whatever it is, be yourselves and don't try to mask yourself for a certain image. And if you do this, you'll create empathy. And what I really mean by this is making yourselves relatable to your audience. Now, everyone who knows you may be familiar with acapella, but they will certainly be familiar with deadlines and how tired you can get when trying to get things done in time, right? So again, this is best accomplished through visuals. Once you make yourselves relatable, it makes your audience much more inclined to support you and maybe come see your show which then leads to money and that makes everyone happy, right? <laughs> because live shows are where all the money's at. And along the lines of money, if you are wanting people to find you, to book your group for gigs, the least you can do is have all of your info in one place. A website is good, but most of you already probably have a Facebook, right? So make absolutely sure that in your bio, you're very clear in answering these questions. Who you are, what's your story, what do you do, where are you located, and what sets you apart? And in the same about page, you should have your contact info laid out as clearly and easy to find. And that sounds like really obvious, but I cannot tell you how many times I've looked into a group page for information and really had to dig for it. So don't be like them and put all your information on one page. And I know a lot of this information seemed pretty obvious now that a lot of you guys are all social media gurus, but hopefully help some people, especially new groups that are still trying to launch their social media sites. So that's all I have for this week and the basics of social media in acapella. If you have specific questions, I would love to hear them. You can post them on Acaville social media sites, or you can reach out to me personally on Facebook or Instagram. My Insta handle is lisa.yoda. So thanks again for joining me on this week's mini segment of Asking for Directions. And welcome back to Tacapella. This has been one of the most fun episodes I've had. I mean, honestly, most of our episodes are really, really fun like this, but I've learned so much in a way that is not just about acapella, but about music in general. And as a young you know, teacher, literally about to start teaching here really soon, this uh, is exactly the kind of episode I needed today to feel more confident about music making, about connecting with other people. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy that we had Chris uh, Chris Cross on today to kind of tell us so much about gospel, about you know how you make arrangements, how you bring stuff into choral spheres and acapella spheres, how you relate to each other through music. It's, uh, I think this is an episode that is going to uh, reach a lot of people. And Chris, we, uh, before we kind of wrap up, I just wanted to say thank you for coming on the show today. It's It's been really great having you. Thank you all for having me. It really is an honor. And I'm glad I was able to share a little bit of advice to help make an impact. Absolutely. So uh, this is now the chance where we're going to ask you, uh, this is this is the ending tradition Brian and I have gotten into, or if you could give, we ask our guests, if you could give one piece of advice to the acapella community, whether that's acapella directors or new acapella singers, you know, what any, the whole community, a small part of the community, whatever, what would you say? I would say uh, as being part of the field primarily for the past four years, once again, the same thing, I've, theme I've been talking about, that authenticity. Uh, really, really help your uh, students and groups find their authentic sound. It's so easy to, as a director, really kind of say, hey, here's what I know, here's what we're going to do. Uh, but really uh, open them up to find their sound and, and their tone and really uh, help them in, embrace that in their music, give them those freedoms to really look at what it would be like to be part of the arranging, part of the overall scheme of the group to give them placement. For a lot of these kids, 
this gives them immediate placement into the music industry as opposed to waiting to just go to college to get a, a music degree to teach and then that's all they're going to do with their music sphere. Feel free to give authentic, authentically creative performances. One of the first NAC sessions that I sat in in Memphis, I think 2016 or 17, the, the topic came up of, do I do what it takes to win a festival or do what I do what's really true to us? And I think there's still a highly debated mm-hmm. kind of uh, thing out there today. So, so what do you do? And for us, we've chosen as NSM to really just be authentic to who we are and realizing that that sometimes may not win competition, but we're authentic to who we are because what you start doing is you start tailoring yourself to what's going to simply win. And are you really creating authentic music? at that point and yeah. what's your uh, motivation and the last thing i'll say on that is uh, i just love how contemporary acapella gives kids the freedom to participate in a music art form where they can create and so i see when we held our acapella festival here in, in arkansas a couple of weeks ago there were schools from cities of only 200 people and things like that who brought kids who were dying to come because they may not be in choir but two or three of their friends got together and started singing some old gospel tune from church, and they had, had another friend throw in some, some VP, and that's when acapella group was born. It's as authentic mm-hmm. and, and organic as that. It doesn't have to be all mapped out. All the, it's just keep it organic, I guess, is the biggest. Keep it organic and free and authentic, and those kids are going to have great experiences in music going forward. Boom. That was great. That was really great. I'm going to, I always say, I say this every, not every time, but most of the time, I want to take all the little pieces of advice people say, and I'm going to get them tattooed on my back. That, um, I mean, that, <laughs> I and that's one, that. yeah, I, I, <laughs> that's one I'll get in bold. Yeah, <laughs> I would not, that would not go well. Um, Chris, thank you so much. That, that was great. And if people want to get a hold of you or see what your choirs are about, your groups, like how, how could they do that? A couple of ways. Uh, I'm on uh, social media, Facebook. If you look up Chris Cross Jacksonville, Arkansas, uh, I'm a big six foot six black man. Uh, <laughs> you see my picture <laughs> on there. I'm, I'm joking. Uh, but also, uh, so I'm on social media, but also they can go to, uh, if you look up J- JHS, Natural State of Mind, they can see uh, some videos. And uh, we have a lot of background like, rehearsals that we put up there so people can see what we do in the background. Mm. And they can look at the music oh, genre cool. that way. Uh, or if they want to email me, they can um, actually email me at Christopher.cross at acapellaeducators.org, I believe it is, or .com, I can't remember. I am the uh, Arkansas representative for the Acapella Education Association. And so I field lots of questions. If you email me with any question, with uh, inf- uh, information, if we do, our group does Skype visits with, with people. So if you want to Skype one day with your classroom. We would open up to do that and kind of can we can we do. Skype with you, Chris? Just me and Brian again. Yeah, just <laughs> like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> Who are these guys? You you can. That'd be awesome. And we actually do a six period. And we actually, we travel to a couple schools in Arkansas, helping them build their program. And we kind of go there and put on concerts and help That's them build great. their program. So go to Natural State of Mind, uh, JHS Natural State of Mind on Facebook, Chris Cross, Jacksonville, Arkansas, Facebook. Or you can reach me at Christopher.cross at acapellaeducators.com. Nice. Brian, where can people find you, man? Um, before I say that, I just want to also mimic John's thoughts and say this has been one of the most educational episodes as well. So thanks, Chris. This has been wonderful. Um, I've really enjoyed this episode. In addition to that, uh, you can always find me on Twitter at the Brian with an I, Alex. Uh, and that's on Twitter. New Twitter handle. That's brand new, like three weeks old. I really like that Twitter handle. Thank you. I had to change it up a little bit. So uh, please go follow me on there. Uh, you know, message me for any questions. And as usual, please go follow all the work I do with College Acapella on all the different social media channels. 
Awesome. And then you can find me in the same place at John Lampus on Twitter and Instagram. Hit me up if you have any ideas at who you want the new Batman to be, because that's kind of all I'm thinking about right now. But also <laughs> uh, uh, hit up Acaville Radio on all social media channels, A-C-A-V-I-L-L-E-R-A-D-I-O. Acaville Radio, let us know what you thought of today's episode. Send in some questions you want us to answer. Let us know your thoughts on gospel, acapella, all that stuff. We want to really reach out to our listeners and hear what you guys want us to talk about and your thoughts on these episodes. And I think this is an episode that is really great for people to discuss and is going to reach a lot of people. So let us know your thoughts. That's it for Talk Acapella this week. Chris, once again, thank you so much for coming on. We are getting closer and closer to episode 75. Keep an eye out for some new Talk Acapella announcements coming soon. And for everything acapella, everybody, please stay tuned.